Hey there, and welcome to the unofficial UPAN podcast. My name is Paul Bautista, and I'm your host. So once again, it's been several months since the last episode. Apologies for that. I'm not going to make any promises about when the next episode come out, though I definitely do have interviews saved up that I need to finish editing. That will come out at some point in the future. Just I've, I've made my mistakes. I know I need to be better about uploading. But in any case, uh, moving on to today's interview is what, that's, it's what I'm super excited for. Um, if you've been involved in the Asian American community at Penn in any capacity whatsoever, you probably know who this individual is. Um, but for those of you who don't, um, we're interviewing the one, the only Kusum Sorin. Uh, Kusum served as the office coordinator for the Pan Asian American Community House for the last 18 years, um, and you know served as a surrogate mother almost not only for myself but for many other generations of Penn students who walked through Patch's doors. Um, she recently retired this past spring of 2019, and while it's going to be bittersweet to visit Pats and not be able to see her again, um, we're super excited for her, thankful for all the time she spent here, and wish her the best for her retirement. Um, I went down to Philadelphia uh, in the spring shortly before she, um, she retired and spoke with her for about an hour and a half, actually, um, you know, about what life was like for growing up, what led her to come to Pats and Penn, you know, um, over the course of her life and, you know, what life has been like at Pats and how things have changed over time. It was such a great interview. That I'm actually going to be splitting it into two separate interviews after some feedback that, you know, the interviews were getting a little bit long to have in one episode. So um, after you check this episode out, make sure you check out part two, which is dropping the same day. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not going to, you know, take t- too much away from Kusum and letting her, let her tell her own story, but there's definitely many facets to Kusum, which even after nine years of knowing her, I didn't know until this interview, such as, you know, the fact that she was an architecture student and, and a practicing architect in India, or that, you know, she escaped the Gulf War to come here to the States when her, when her husband came to study at Penn for his grad school out of Kuwait. So, you know, lots to this interview. Um, definitely, again, make sure you check out part two. Um, but yeah, uh, without further ado, here's Kusum. Uh, catch you on the other side in episode two. Thanks. Bye. Sounds good. Well, I'm here in Kusum's living room in Philadelphia, um, back on campus to visit, um, partly for something else, but mostly just to you know come back and see Kusum, which is always a pleasure. Um, she is our Pat's mom, and thank you for coming onto the podcast, Kusum. Thank you, thank you for inviting me, and thank you. Uh, I, I mean, you know, honestly, when you know, we recently heard that you know you're going to be retiring um, at the end of the school year, which is you know bittersweet because it's been what eighteen and a half, almost nineteen years of of working at Pat's, and you've definitely touched many lives, mine included, uh, in that process. So, you know, when I heard that, it's like, all right, I definitely have to get Kusum on the podcast just to capture her wisdom. You know, not only as a you know as a tribute to your to your many years here, but also you know capture your advice and, and your story for future generations to hear about Pat's and, and the community. So uh, glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, but before we get to uh, your time at Penn, uh, well, let's talk about the, you know, Kusum before Penn. I feel like everyone knows you in this context of Kusum as Pat's mom, but let's talk about Kusum before. So um, as I know, uh, as I researched, you were born in India, correct? Yeah, I was born in India, in New Delhi. Okay, in New Delhi. And then, you know, what was life like, like growing up then? Did you have family? Like, how was your family? Did you have siblings? You know, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
Yes, my immediate family, I have one sister and two brothers. Mm -hmm. I am the oldest one and mm -hmm. my mom is the housewife and she took care of our daily life and my dad was the only working member in the family. But I had six first cousins. I grew up around all of them okay. and uh, I loved when we went to our grandparents house and enjoy their cooking, played cards with them and mm -hmm. enjoy listening to our great grandparents stories. Well, what, what, what type of stories did you like? Um, they that? mentioned to us because that when my grandparents were alive, there were uh, British, Britishers okay. who were uh, ruling India okay. and my great grandfather was the guard in the railways. Oh, wow. And the one of the story I still remember he mentioned he always took all the trains. I mean he made sure trains goes on time. Right. And he was a very disciplined man mm -hmm. and he was a self-made man. Oh wow, nice. Yeah. And, and um, we we when we went to our grandparents' house we always greeted by his <laughs> sloppy kisses and yeah. big big hugs. It was a big happy family. Yeah. Uh, so until I grew up and I realized that we we don't see our cousins as much as we mm -hmm. used to see yeah. when we were growing up because of the distance, because everyone got married and they have their own families, uh, so it's very hard. But we still like once a year we talk to each other and mm. talk about our memories while we were growing up how we had a good time yeah it definitely sounds you know i went you know uh, your indian your big happy indian family definitely sounds a lot like my, my, my big filipino family with all of our cousins um so definitely can relate to you on that one um uh, do you go back to india often like since since coming here or have yeah. you been back my, when my parents were alive mm -hmm. i used to go twice a year okay. because um, when we are kids and growing up, we are in our own world. Yeah. We don't listen what our parents say. The same thing happened with me also. Mm -hmm. And I got married and we got busy with my kids and now kids are grown up. And I realized that I didn't spend much time with my parents. So that's why my husband made sure that I go and spend some time. Mm -hmm with my parents and I was going twice a year. Mm. Now they both passed away, so mm -hmm. then me and my husband. My husband still goes twice a year, but I go once a year okay. because my mother-in-law is great. But it's sad, she also passed away last okay. year. But we have extended family. Right, yeah. do you, you go back in the New Delhi area or do you go to other places in India So, as well? when, whenever we took the kids to India, mm -hmm. we made sure we spent like one week with my parents, one week with his parents mm -hmm. and then one week we take them to show the other cities of India. Okay. Because India is so large and the cultures are so different in different cities, so I wanted them to get the feel of that. Right. But now they are married, they have their own life. Yeah. So when they, because like I was attached to my grandparents, my kids were also mm -hmm. attached to grandparents because I always believe what your kids see in your house, what's happening, they become like that. Yeah. So they saw me, I took care of my parents though I was so far away. So as soon as we heard our grandmother is, my husband's mother is sick mm. and immediately my daughter said, I want to go and take care because of yeah she was 95 I said okay you can leave so she left I left mm -hmm. then 
her, my daughter's five cousins. Yeah. They came. So we were 25 of us there. How that must be like either a really stuffed house or a really big house. They have a big house. Okay. But when what happened when in India families get together, hmm. suppose we have six bedrooms. So yeah. six couples stay in that. But all the kids, they put cots. They it's stay like all in the living room. They, they sleep in the living room. It's like one big sleepover. One for like big sleepover. Right. Yeah. So that time I realized that it's so good to spend the mm -hmm. time with together, and we should do the reunion. We did one last year when our mother was mother-in-law was alive. So we are thinking to do that another one. Yeah, that, that, that would definitely be fun. Um, yeah. Out of curiosity, um, I guess like what, you know, what part of, I guess, uh, like what group of, I guess, of Indian ethnicity, I guess, are you? Are you I Indian? am North Indian. North Indian, okay. And uh, North Indian, I'm Punjabi. Okay. I mean, my husband's family is also Punjabi, but they are Sikh. Okay. So what happened, Sikhs were, con con I'm Hindu. Yeah. So they were also converted from Hindus. Okay. Okay, and I'm out of curiosity, like, what languages of, of do you speak? I uh, speak Punjabi, Hindi, okay. English. Okay, cool. This is how the, this is how the curiosity goes. I know there's like there's like there are many layers to consumers. I realize now, kind of like you said, like at the time you didn't realize there's there so much more to your parents that like, you didn't realize coming back. So that's like, huh? There's all these questions for Kristen that I never really got to ask her. I guess when I was at Penn, um, but that's why I have the podcast, right? Like, so before you came to Penn, um, and you mentioned you were in Kuwait, but before even that, you said uh, I found that you were actually an architect for a while. Yes. Was that something you wanted to do since going, like, since you were young, or how how did that come about? So, um, when I was growing up, we just heard the word engineer. Mm -hmm. So my mother, because my father was a, he used to do the estimates. Right. That's a one part of architecture. Right. Like, like the, when building is going on, people make the estimate of like how the costs, much, how much it will cost. Right. So he he did that, and but. I didn't know, we just knew the doctor and the engineer. Right. So my mother used to tell me, oh, you have to become an engineer. So she took me to a guy who was civil engineer mm -hmm. and all that. But competition was very tough. Right. I was not able to get into engineering school, mm -hmm. but I got into architecture. So what school did you go to for architecture? I did a three-year diploma okay. in architecture. That was a woman's polytechnic. Okay. And then I... This is in New Delhi? It's in New okay. Delhi. And then I worked in a private firm where I started doing the interior design okay. work. And uh, after that, I got a job <coughs> in Women's Polytechnic. Okay. So I used to teach there. Oh, so you you also were a teacher at some point. <laughs> See, so many things I'm learning about. So what was it? So okay, this is like a new tangent of questions I didn't prepare for. Um, so what was it like being a teacher? I guess I guess for college age students like ourselves, right? So, mm, so there is so much difference between the students here mm -hmm. and in India. Also, like a different then, time, like, right? I'm different time also. Yeah. Not present time, but mm -hmm. that time that I'm talking about in seventies. Yeah. So, students were always afraid of teachers. I don't mm. know why. And uh, it was very disciplined because it was not a, like a graduate school. It was more like a professional studies mm, Like vocational school. Yeah, vocational. Okay. It's, but all the courses were like interior design, architecture, um, civil, civil engineer, but they were all like diploma courses. Mm -hmm. After a three year course, you can do it. But the best part of architecture program, which I like it, we took trips okay. to different parts of India. 
So I, I, I used to do the event planning those mm -hmm. days also. So we did that, but that time also I connected with the students. So they, because I was the youngest staff member there, mm -hmm. so they had no problem connecting with me. Yeah. And we share lots of stuff mm -hmm. with each other because in India also parents are very strict. Right. They want one track. One track, top yeah. performance. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we talked about many issues and uh, mm -hmm. because there is a, some kind of taboo there, yeah. you cannot talk about this thing. You Because in those days you even cannot talk about your boyfriend or yeah. something because there is oh, what other community will say yeah. because there is a lot of community fear fears that time right it's but like the, the the public image of your yeah, family public yeah. image of the family but now it's getting open families okay. are different kids are different mm. and so would you say that you're like being open with the students was like i guess different from like i guess the rest of your staff yeah. peers okay. yeah because m m other staff mm. was much older and they were my staff members also mm. when okay. i was a student because i went to the same college okay. where i studied right and then when you were working at your private firm, at the private firm, like what, like what were your you know favorite tasks or your day to day like things so that you enjoyed doing? So I uh, were you doing the drawings or or what? Mainly the drawings, but uh, in my firm we used to do the interiors of hotels, okay. like we do the mock up for one right. one room. So we go work with the furniture factories mm. and we make the like chair design, bed design and mm. look it up, pick up the furniture, what okay. will look nice. So it's like working with the client mm -hmm. as well as the um, people who build the furniture. How many years were you doing architecture between the private firm and teaching? So private firm, I worked uh, four years okay. and after that I went to teaching but then what happened when you teach in summer we used to get two months break mm. so then again I went back to that the same yeah. private firm um, where I was working okay. it, it, it was a because I knew the owners mm -hmm. yeah. it was a fun to work there right. to, his wife was Australian and I'm sure they appreciated like the help also yeah, during the yeah. summer and they built the Guru Nanak University in Amritsar oh wow okay. yeah yeah I was not involved in that okay. but, Okay, um, and then obviously, like you met your husband and, and got married. Um, how did you meet him actually? Out of curiosity? Actually, when I was a student, I went to Chandigarh for a conference. Mm -hmm. And um, after the dinner, like students are talking to each other. So his three friends were there, and my three friends were there. We met their conference, and it, we came back to Delhi. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. We don't even know who was he. It was like a general talk. Yeah, how yeah. what you feel about the conference, what you gain, yeah. and where will be the next conference you will be going or not. Like a general yeah. talk. But um, so when I was working in the private firm, so he also got a job there. Okay. So he recognized me. So you guys were co-workers. Yeah, yeah, I did not recognize him. So then he told me, "Oh, we met." At, at NASA conference, conference in Chandigarh, I said yes. Then I remember and then we started dating. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> um, and then, and then, okay. So then, at some point, uh, I know you guys went to Kuwait, um, right? Yes. So um, after marriage, uh, we went to Kuwait. We lived there ten years. Okay. And I had my older daughter there. So they were born in Kuwait. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and my younger daughter. And then, what was your husband? Were you working in Kuwait also? Was this, was this I was also working. Okay, well, I was working in the architecture firm. Okay, so you also another architecture firm. Yeah. And then, what was he doing? He's, he's architect. Same, same firm no, or no, different? Okay. It's different. 
Okay, cool. And then so more architecture in Kuwait, and then uh, so you have your two daughters, and then also your son at this point. Yeah, son was born here. Born here. Okay, so you have the two daughters. So um, let's see. And then at some point, you you guys decided to come to the states. Yes. I think I believe it was for your husband's uh, grad grad program here at Penn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I know there's a whole story about how you guys got here. Why don't you tell us? This? I don't. I don't think I can do it justice. Why don't you just tell us yourself exactly how you guys got got to the states? Yeah. So um, coming, he because in late in his late forties, he decided to go back to college. Mm -hmm. And I was also excited. Oh, we are going to US. Yeah. And had you been to the states before? Yeah, we okay. visited states, um, and we visited uh, four or five different cities. Okay. So, like, like for we, the grad for the grad school? No, no, or no just, just, we just, okay. just for it. We took the trip okay. and with our kids. So, I will say it was a life changing experience, because in Kuwait I had a very comfortable mm. life yeah. and you name anything you get it you had a help i had a nanny for the kids and mm -hmm. the living maid who used to cook for us right. and taking care of everything so arriving uh, new york with three suitcases with my family not knowing where we will stay yeah and uh, because we lost everything in Kuwait, we didn't have any Wait, money. Wait, so, so hold on, rewind a little bit, because the actual leaving part, I think, is like super, something that I didn't know until I was doing research for this interview, right? Yeah. So this was, you, you came to the States during the breakout of the Gulf War, basically, right? So it was the first Gulf War. Uh -huh. So what happened, we got up one day, mm -hmm. because we were in a process of leaving. Yeah, moving. Moving like on August, 30th because the session starts in September mm -hmm. so Gulf was started like three days before so you get up in the morning it was like a dream mm -hmm. I heard some sounds and I told my husband what is this weird sound and smoke he said nothing we didn't know it yeah. he went to his office and he he was surprised he saw the safe was open and the, all the passports were out oh wow because when he, because he was working for the government mm -hmm. so when you work for the government you have to give your passport so he didn't have his passport so anymore. he did not he, because he we didn't know what was yeah. happening many of them didn't know so uh, he was so lucky he just started looking the password he found his passport okay and after that office was totally empty because his passport was his office was in the city and he took his passport, he called me, I'm coming home, be safe and stay inside. Mm -hmm. So he came back and we couldn't leave, airport was closed and we stayed for a month there. In Kuwait? In Kuwait, okay. after the first Gulf War. Okay. And there was no food. Of course, uh, in Indian house, you always have so many yeah. lentils and <laughs> rice, yeah. so that was, food was not a problem, but like, you cannot get the fresh bread or yeah. something. And like but electricity and like, was there any issues with like the utilities and stuff or going on or what? No, utilities okay. were open. Okay. So it was not like there was no water or okay. anything. Only the grocery stores yeah. were, nothing, anything, nothing was there. And if there was, it was super expensive? No, nothing, nothing was available. Nothing at all, okay, Nothing wow. at all was available. So banks were closed, you mm -hmm. cannot take out the money. So after 10 days, we heard that uh, you will get a, some sugar 
flower mm -hmm. and but you have to stand in a line it was so hot there 90 degree or more yeah. than 90 degree we stand in a line we bought the flour because we are used to eating yeah. chapatis rice was also we didn't have enough rice but we had some cans of fish and all yeah. that so we were like giving little food to our yeah. kids so that we can survive yeah. out there but they were not saying anything to indians hmm. it was not like we stayed inside we went out also yeah. but there was a lot of checking Mm -hmm. They checked our passports. Oh, you are Indian. Go. Iraqis, mm -hmm. because everywhere Iraqis were there. I didn't see any Kuwaitis or mm -hmm. any. Some foreigners were hiding. So then we heard that they are opening the airport in Iraq. So my husband and uh, his friend, they went to Iraq. Okay. And uh, there everything was normal. Oh, wow. Because the war was in Kuwait. Yeah. Nothing, they, they were surprised, they said there everything is normal, the people are going to the restaurant, but then they came back in two days and they said airport is not open, but there is a hope that the first flight will go on 30th September. Okay, so like they're already late for like the, the yeah. opening session, but that, that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. so um, we said okay, we'll go. So we, but we didn't have a car. We hired a taxi. Mm -hmm. Our friend had a car and we went to Iraq and we stayed there two days. We had a good food there. And this is what you could carry, right? Yeah. Like in your suitcases. Yeah. So we had like, we, every, we, we still, everyone saved some money at yeah. home for the emergency. So yeah. we had some emergency money. So we bought, a, we had dollars yeah. because you, you were allowed to buy the tickets only in dollars. Right. So they only opened the Amman ticket. So we went to Amman. Okay. We got the first flight with three suitcases. We left our jewelry. We left our carpet, which is in that room. That's oh, wow. a Tabrish tab tab carpet from Iran. Okay. We left with uh, and his cameras, all our important, like the things which we loved yeah. with one Kuwaiti. We said, if we will get it, get it. If we don't get it, no regrets. Yeah. So, but we didn't want it to give anything to Iraqis. Yeah. So we took the flight, we went to Amman. First thing we called our parents mm -hmm. and his parents that we are safe because mm. they didn't hear from. Because you had heard them in like the whole month. Okay? Yeah, the okay. whole month we were there. So we, we had a very good food. Now the problem came, how we will go to US. Yeah. No money. So you're in Amman right now? Yeah. Okay. So we are in Amman. So then what happened? We had a money in Citibank. Okay. But we didn't have a Citibank card. Right. Our friend had a Citibank card. So Citibank had a branch in Dubai. So we called Dubai. The guy, we know the guy yeah. name, rap name. And my husband talked to him and said, this is a situation. We are leaving, but he said we cannot transfer money anywhere because you will not be take it take out. So mm -hmm. he said no. Our friend has a Citibank card. If you can help, we can we can buy the ticket through his card, mm -hmm. so that you can open his card. Right. So he helped it. I called my sister in Berlin. I said this is the second thing. If we cannot get the tickets, can you help us to get the tickets from right. Germany? But we were able to nice. get the tickets yeah. from our money with our friends car yeah. they also got the tickets we, we took out we put so much money in that car yeah. so that his family and us could, go, could all go yeah so his family went to india okay so me my kids and 
my our friend we mm. came back to us okay. and uh, then we landed in new york my husband's uh, aunt lives in new york okay. we stayed there overnight my husband came to philadelphia and uh, then has one very good thing when someone gets admission mm-hmm. the current students send email to them Mm. So he also got some emails from the current student. To like help him get adjusted. Yeah, yeah, adjusted. So he contacted that student. His name was Raj. Okay. So he contacted that student that I'm coming. So students picked him up from the station, mm-hmm. the DC station. We stayed in New York. Okay. And he said, I will go back to Philadelphia, find out my classes, and I mean, okay. going the, back, find the place and all that. Going back to college after like. 20 years mm-hmm. he graduated in 72 and he came here in 90 it was difficult for him also but he stayed with uh, some college students he found the apartment mm-hmm. he found the school and then after 3 weeks he came to new york and he brought us okay so that's super super i guess intense story intense and a good experience yeah. good experience so what, what end of the day we were all safe right. that's so, all matter so what would you say like what would you say like is your big takeaway from i guess having gone through all that basically because obviously so, it still sticks out like if you have all these details in your mind so so my big takeaway is because the way i had a life in kuwait because it it was a very comfortable life and social I didn't care about money. Mm-hmm. I bought so much stuff like I am the person who never wore the same clothes to mm-hmm. the, it's a one example. Yeah. to the same party. But when I came here I lived in three clothes yeah. in this country for 3 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I because in kuwait there was so much help i started doing things with my hand yeah i'm very thankful to that because when we are kids our parents does everything yeah and when i got married to him i had a very good life but when i came here such a tiny apartment well, where was your apartment when apartment you was uh, when you enter 10 by 10 living room mm-hmm. this much like a uh, 4 by 8 kitchen then one small room with a twin bed and then our bedroom it's so like so- a student right so something like 2000 like new york dollars but anyway yeah, yeah. so but our landlord was very nice mm-hmm. he gave us some utensils mm-hmm. and uh, then my neighbor was very good she introduced me to the community mm-hmm. she introduced me to the school Then she introduced me to another neighbor who took me to the church sale. Mm-hmm. And she said if you want to buy any clothes in New Jersey. Yeah. Church sale in New Jersey. You can buy it from there. Mm. I literally cried. I said because when I was in Kuwait, I don't want to grab yeah. a brag it. I used to go every year to London to buy the clothes right. for my kids. And here I am. Oh I want to go to US and I lost everything in the war. I I'm going to church sale buy the clothes for my kids for 5 cents. Mm. But doesn't matter. I said I will go through this period. Mm-hmm. Because this is not for long time. 
and I just wanted to make sure I had a food. I came, washed the clothes and my kids wore those clothes. I bought sneakers for myself mm -hmm. and some track pants right. and then I got a job in the grocery store mm -hmm. as a teller. Mm -hmm. I worked there yeah. from 10 to 2 so that I'm at home when my daughters come. So. so it was not an easy time but it I learned from that time if difficult time comes how we should live. Mm -hmm. I learned from that and I think that that's a very good experience I got. Right so then Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll I'll just go back to the questions I had prepared. I guess. Um, so obviously, you, you kind of touched on this, like adjusting to living in Philadelphia. Like the your time in Kuwait, like you said, was like you know a little bit, I guess, higher class. I guess compared to where you ended up when you first moved here, just because of how what you lost, you know, during the move here, right? Um, so. Something that I, I researched and found that you got really involved in like a lot of organizations and community efforts. Um, you know, like you said, like it sounds like your neighbors were introducing you to the community is a big part of you coming here. Yeah. Um, what were like what what did you get involved in? How did you get involved in that? So my daughter's school was right across the street. Okay. Power School. Okay. Because we are living in this neighborhood since since right. nineteen ninety. Okay, and this is like northwest Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I started volunteering my daughter's schools because I believe that wherever your kids study, mm -hmm. it's important to be part of that community. You can put, you can provide your input, mm -hmm. and you have to know the teachers. Right, my mom knows that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, almost like. I was helping in my daughter's class, I think twice or three times a week. Mm -hmm. I came to know the Home and School Association. I started going to their meetings. And what I did, though I had a very small apartment, because the Home and School Association used to meet at night time, I started inviting to my house mm -hmm. so that I can know the people. Yeah. And one day I became the Home and School Association chair. Nice. This is just an elementary school. Right. So all my kids went to the same school. Right. So I did volunteer work there almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then aside from that, you get involved in other organizations? Yeah. So the same thing is um, my friend from India provided me her friend's name. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I called her and she was that time involved in the associations of Indians in America. Mm -hmm. You know, that time also they had their own group mm -hmm. it was hard for me to get into that group yeah. but my friend pushed them they said why cannot we because when sometimes old people are working they don't want to bring the new people right and this is like a thing in like the filipino community i know there's like these organizations made by like people like my parents generation or above and it's like the young it's like they're having a hard time like either getting or letting in like younger yes. generation younger yeah. generation so that was the case with me but my friend pushed me mm -hmm. and so what I did, I started taking the responsibilities. Okay, I'll type this, I'll work on the meeting, I will type the minutes, mm -hmm. so that they should, just to realize them that I can do a work. Mm -hmm. So they really got happy with me, pleased with me. 
and um, so I make sure meetings happens on time and the issues are discussed mm. how we can we help mm. the community so what, what kind of things was this organization doing was it? so we were the one main thing we were doing it because that time um, I, I'm talking about in 90s, so people were getting their citizenship, elderly people. Mm -hmm. They didn't know much about the English, so I started preparing them about the questions, mm -hmm. interview questions for the citizenship. So, so like helping like civic engagement? Yes, okay. yeah. So I did that a lot. I went to the temples, I went to Gurdwaras, talked to them, I helped them to fill up the application for the citizenship. Mm -hmm. I guided them. Like, I didn't sign on any application, but I guided them, okay, write your name here, write this, this. Right. They were filling up everything. Mm -hmm. Or they, like, if they cannot write in English, their kids were right. filling up for them. Help them to submit the application. Then I used to go to GIC. Yeah. And then I, because I wanted a place where they can come and we can talk about the questions right. and prepare them. And like, then some of them can't speak English, then I, met with her name was Jodi and she was the Jewish Association on Broad Street president. Mm -hmm. So I called her, I said, I have this case, I cannot go in, can you go in with right. him? So she went when the interview happened okay. and she spoke in English. And they translate for him. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. She, I still yeah. remember that. Video. Wow. You're so involved, cousin. <laughs> yeah. So it's no surprise that I guess you ended up being the mom for like all these pen kids who are like super involved in everything they do. Um, speaking of, I guess now is a good time to like transition to talking about your time at Penn. So And that's a wrap on part one. Again, this is a two-part interview with Kusum, so make sure you check out part two uh, in the podcast feed. Speaking of, uh, thank you to Kusum for interviewing with us, um, and thank you for listening. Uh, you can subscribe and listen to uh, the rest of the episodes in the UPAN podcast, as well as part two on iTunes, Google Play, or upanpodcast.podbean.com. This special thanks to Fortissimo for the intro and outro music. Make sure you check them out on Spotify and YouTube. Editing and production was provided by Ninja Boy Media. And special thanks to the Pan-Asian American Community House and Alumni Relations for their support. A quick reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this show reflect those of the guests and hosts appearing on this podcast and do not reflect those of the University of Pennsylvania. For your feedback or questions, please reach out at upanpodcast at gmail.com or on the UPAN Facebook page. Till next time, keep it funky. Bye.